Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, Bampocalypse Now. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me as ever from across the pond is the statesman to my kingsman, it's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, man? Hey, Matt. How's it going? Uh, good. Good. We're, uh, we're in lockdown in the UK, as you now know. We cannot so, leave our houses for apart from like one bout of exercise a day or a quick trip to the grocery store slash supermarket so we're in lockdown it's the strangest experience i've had one of the whole strangest bits i've had in my entire life it's very eerie but that's pretty much all we can all we can do now is just sit in the room in our house and watch films so on one hand actually yeah. party on uh but that's that's the uk How, what's, how's it going over there man as of now, no new real changes. The last I heard, uh, they're still our president's trying to pass a stimulus package to give us money, which sounds great. Except our our two parties are fighting over uh, how. And I I can't deny like there's a a part of the package where it would give businesses more money, and the Democrats are against that. But I'm like at the same time, it's like you know what? I think this is one of those times where you just have to concede so that the people who need the money get the money. As quick as possible, because there are people who are going to be in dire need for finances sooner than later. And every second, every day, especially that's going to delay um, is going to cause more problems, I think, in the long run. So we might have to just put our political parties aside for for this and let's get people money in their hands, because, man, there are definitely people who are out of work right now, which, um, of course, where you are, that was already an issue for other reasons than Mm -hmm. the pandemic but the pandemic's probably not making anything better uh for you guys not at all no it's the business business have shut down um so those are those who need a a job or uh, an opportunity i can't get one now or at least are struggling there are like um jobs coming available for like grocery store drivers so go to the depot pick up somebody shopping take it to their house they're like immediately available vacancies so there's um, they started popping up in the last day or so, and that's why I said, and I, I said to the boss in the house here, I said to her, that strikes me as odd that suddenly there's a deluge of driver jobs available. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Then we had this uh, dress to the nation yesterday, and it all became apparent that the reason is because people aren't going to be allowed out of their houses anymore. But if, you, if you're a politician and you want to get, gain trust from the people of the United States, United Kingdom, or anywhere around the world, maybe the maybe parties should just sort of come together for the greater good. And you know, then they can get back to their silly squabbling afterwards. But um, yeah. politics aside, we're here to talk some films. So, my man, are you ready to talk some uh, some scary films? Yeah. Um, this, you know, the theme of this new podcast, this mini series that we're doing, is one to give you something to listen to while you're stuck at home, and also to give you some guidance on what to watch while you're stuck at home. But we couldn't help but notice a theme right now within the world. And we are looking at movies that deal with apocalyptic situations or dystopian situations or even films that kind of center around isolation or being cut off from the rest of the world. Um, and we skipped, I think, the the first two episodes should probably have been the this movie and the next movie we're going to talk about. Because these, I think, are like the big buzz movies that people are already discussing. But we wanted to ease our way in. You're right? like, you don't always dive right in the pool. Sometimes you just slowly wade in until you get knee deep and this movie i think uh went oh, shoved me underwater and tried to kill me um and that's contagion from 2011 
uh, I had never seen this before, and you're the same, right? I hadn't seen this before, no. Um, and I've heard about an awful lot about this film in the last week or so. I was um for DBP Death by Pop. We asking people what 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 are you guys watching in this kind of what horror films are you watching in these times? And so many people have come back saying. Um, one of them, at least, was Contagion. Another one I know we're going to speak about for our next little episode, but one of them was Contagion from 2011. It was directed by Steven Soderbergh, written by Scott, Scott Z. Burns, or Z. Burns for us uh, English folk. Stars Matt Damon, Kate Winslet, Jude Law. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Marion Cotillard, Larry Fishburne, yes. Brian Cranston, Jennifer Ella. A big cast. Um it, it's available in the UK on Netflix. The TV providers like ITV have uh, cottoned on and are now showing it as well. Uh, JB, where is it available to watch in the United States? Um, it's on Cinemax, which is one of the you know like lesser HBO networks. Um, mm. And if you have Hulu, you can add that subscription. Or on like Amazon Prime, you can have that as a channel. And that seems to be it. But you can rent it on any of the digital rental services, Vudu, iTunes, etc. For three to three to four bucks depending on if you want hd or not um but and i i uh, just bought it on voodoo myself that's not a bad uh i can imagine it's uh gone up it's takings have gone up in the last week or so as a in terms of what uh, the world thought of it when it came out rotten tomatoes 85 percent good score meta score 70 a very respectable 70 or meta score had a budget of 60 million dollars and it raked in $136.5 million at the box office, which is a pretty decent return, if you ask me. It's yeah, critically for a... and financially, yeah, for a film like this. What's it all about? Well, it's pretty much what's happening now, which is what was the scariest. A pand- a, there's been an outbreak of a pandemic as a virus from the Far East. It was picked up by Gwyneth Paltrow's character. She's brought it back to, uh, to the United States. Before doing that, she's met dig- lots of other people in Hong Kong shook hands, taken pictures, touched glasses. It's that these people have now got the the virus. He's come back to the United States, and the symptoms have been fever, um, nausea, and then seizures and death very quickly. And then her young son gets it as well, which was harrowing to watch. And this this thing spreads. This damn virus spreads and spreads and spreads. Words like social distancing uh, are used. Mm-hmm. I've heard that quite a lot. Self-isolation, yeah. heard that quite a lot. The film is basically about a pandemic which is spreading across the world, which is transmitted via touch through your hands, touching your face, touching your mouth, it enters your body, and you are pretty much kaboom. And the whole point of the film is they're trying to find a vaccine for it, and there's this side plot with Marianne Cotillard's character when she goes over to Hong Kong in order to try and um, work with the people there to find out what's what's happening and it scared the living hell out of me for the first part jb watched this a few minutes before me and i got a message from him saying that you know he's got sweaty palms and he can't handle it after about 20 minutes and i don't blame him this film felt so close to home felt so real for what's going on now and as we said in the first few episodes we're not going to we're not trying to make light of this extremely serious pandemic so we want to get that out of the way now but this film man it was the more I watched it, I was like, it, it feels like this film feels like it could have come out next year about what's happening now. It was a virus which started with a bat, which then mutated with a pig, and it goes via human contact. And there was some moments in this which were very, very creepy and frightening and some great performances. But I thought 
uh, top line, I thought this was a really, really good film. Terrifying, but effective. Uh, what did you think, man, once you'd kind of wiped yourself down? Yeah, I mean, totally agree. Um, it definitely made me, I was having like legit anxiety attacks after watching this because it felt too real. And if you know about Scott Burns, um, Scott Burns has a very limited writing, uh, like, background not not limited right that's not what i wanted to say he doesn't have a lot of movies he's got 16 films under his belt which is i'm gonna take that back that's a lot but um last year he had two he had the laundromat but and the report the laundromat was steven soderbergh the report was not soderbergh but um uh he directed that i'm sorry i didn't realize he even directed that one but both um deal with like heavily researched true stories about you know capitalism and and it basically dictating behavior and that is a, a theme here in this film with uh, jude law's character jude law's character plays kind of the uh, fake news type reporter again this is in 2011 yet it fits so perfectly he's kind of got like an alex jones type of uh not as much i'm, I'm actually blurring some of this with the hunt too because the hunt has a lot of anti-capitalistic things that would have yeah. just as easily fit in but um his his movies are like this. Uh, he wrote Born Ultimatum. I haven't seen Side Effects, but I think Side Effects deals with some of that stuff. And then this movie where it's clearly researched. Um, I don't know if social distancing w- would have been the term we're hearing now if not for this movie or if this movie pulled in a phrase that was in the CDC handbook. Given Burns' uh, penchant for research, I would say it's a good chance that it was already there. But before this pandemic happened in the real world, I had never heard the term social distancing it makes perfect sense i'm not disputing the logic behind it It, it's clear if if the virus is contagious within a proximity distancing people from each other is a very smart way of avoiding it sure but the the phrasing social distancing because it could have just been stay away from people right like there's a hundred ways to say that but choosing that phrasing and then that phrasing being in this movie i'm very intrigued to know did the art influenced what's happening right now. Did this movie dictate how the CDC decided to promote social distancing? Or again, did he uh, do the research? I've not researched to find out, but I am, I was intrigued by that right away. And one of the reasons why I think it landed so hard, um, so much of it plays out like what's happened so far, the government's slow reaction, trying to act like it's not a big a deal. And then when you get into like the anti-capitalistic and like anti you know, don't trust the government type conspiracy theory stuff in this movie where it deals with like the CDC and like some, it's not even like shady practices. It's just like people in power using that power to get advantages over other people rather than, you know, like if the cure were to happen, the person who discovers it's probably going to use it on them before they give it to the public, that kind of thing. And that's, yeah. you know, there's some shade there. And then Jude Law's character um, being this like um, advocate for, um, misinformation is kind of how they frame it i i kind of got confused on that and uh just a heads up we haven't said this but we tend to go full in say whatever we want about this movie because of the nature of the the podcast right now um being that these are older movies for the most part uh we're just going to say what we want without giving too many specifics but the way the film kind of ends jude law's story uh his character named alan crumweed i couldn't tell if he was being forced by the government to like be the bad guy or if he actually was a bad guy like Mm -hmm. you you get what i'm saying like yeah i got the impression that he was uh because he's a blogger a social truther i got the impression that he was just um somebody he thought like well i call villains or good guys who thought he was doing right he he was a conspiracy theorist basically he was like the government have got the 
the the um, antidote, the vaccine. This is what it's called. I'm going to show you that it works. And obviously the film goes into lengths to prove whether that's right or wrong or not. But I got the impression that he wasn't a bad guy, but he was framed to be the bad guy. Yeah. And that was, I was unclear because it, they, they claim that he took money from the company that had the, the, the thing. And that's why he was promoting it. And that's where I'm like, if that's true, he's a bad guy yeah, yeah, in yeah. my eyes. He's profiting off it, yeah. But if it's untrue and they're just saying that, and that's where I was unclear with the movie. I wasn't sure if he actually had taken money or if that's what the government was putting out there to discredit him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't yeah. feel like it was clear which one that was. Maybe that's not supposed to be. Maybe we're supposed to still be, like, on the fence about him. Um, I, I thought Matt Damon was really good in this. He's not – no characters on the screen – like none of them felt like the lead. I mean, there's like several leads. This is truly like an ensemble um, where you bounce between Kate Winslet and, and Lawrence Fishburne and whatnot. But um, I think part of the movie is heavily Winslet. I think Damon's character is your uh, kind of the audience surrogate and where you're supposed to l- latch your empathy. Um, I think you're kind of rooting for Jude Law because you're hoping that there's this hero character uh, who's going to save the day. And maybe he'll be the one, the reporter who breaks the case. Um, but at the same time, there is that uncertainty about him. Um, and yeah, and uh, I do want to give a shout out to John Hawks because he plays uh, the custodian that works for the CDC that talks to Fishburne a bit. Um, I really liked his role in the movie. It's very small, but I like that little kind of side story. Um, it, it also makes Lawrence Fishburne's character not look like a total jerk at times. Um, yeah. Doesn't come you know what I mean? He doesn't come off. He, he starts again. He starts off as the kind of like the face that you can root for, and then as the film goes, it's a very clever film in that those like like you just mentioned about Jude Law's character. You think one thing, and then the film plays its hand. And is he? You know, where is he? Morally ambiguous? Is he the good guy, the bad guy? Larry Larry Fishburne isn't the bad guy in this film, but you know, again, he is set up to be that in some quarters towards the end of the film for doing what he thinks is right and you know what morally probably is right there is a there's a there's another there's a subplot of um marion castellar's character and shin han like a batman christopher nolan uh meet up again there are those two though one was in the dark knight one was in dark knight rises of course um where she's in hong kong which i wasn't really bothered by that plot line to be honest uh kind of just didn't really go in it added like an action element which i didn't really need towards the end uh, wasn't bothered by yeah. that. Um, yeah, Matt Damon's the everyman. Uh, Kate Winslet, she was a doctor. She was an epidemic intelligence service officer. She's the, she's kind of like the brains behind it, and she has to get past some skeptics working in the WHO and the government, which I found interesting because I can imagine those kind of conversations went down in real life as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the the scene where she's at the table and the, the they're they're worried about because of the swine flu and how they missed that, like how people are going to react if they issue with the wrong information or if it doesn't get as bad as they thought like all of the little bureaucratic moments where it just shows how information is is filtered out mm-hmm. because of the concern like the pr concerns that they have which i i can understand but at the same time i'd rather know everything and them be wrong or like it not be as bad and less be mad at them than like them worrying about if we're mad at them or not you know what i mean like it's scary that that's a thing because you got to wonder, is it, is this virus this bad because of something similar? Like, because the swine flu was, everyone was like, oh, the swine flu is going to be so bad. And then it really wasn't. Mm -hmm. People died, but it was, it was much less than we had been told about it. And I think that's 
another part of why there's so many people not social distancing with this because they're thinking, oh, it's just the swine flu again. And so they're ignoring it instead of listening. And um, I, I really I like that scene a lot. And the scene that stressed me out the most involved Winslet as well. Um, she finds out that another person had picked uh, Matt Damon's wife, Gwyneth Paltrow, up from the airport, I think. Yep. And she calls him and he's on the bus. And she asks him some questions and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't feel very well. And she's like, get off the bus because of all the places to be right now. You don't need to be on a crowded bus. And she's telling him he's infected and he's like getting up and he touches every single pole. And they show that don't they, 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 they emphasize him touching the pole or touching a chair here or coughing. They do. But they also do it subtly. Like they don't go like full like zoom in close up on his hand on the pole. Right. Like it's it's framed more like a mid shot and mid close up. And you but if you're paying attention, it's like grabbing every yeah. pole. Yeah, he's coughing, but he's not covering his mouth at all. Like, he's not even trying. So, like, you're just like, everyone on that bus is doomed. Like, you know, and that that upsets me because it's the same thing, like, right now in the in the real world. If if you know you're, you're sick and you're like, ah, oh, but I got to go to work. And, like, I just had a friend who I've not seen in person for well over a month. But um, his job that they're making him continue working because it's an essential job. He was told that one of his coworkers just had to go get tested for, for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. so now he's waiting like and he's they're not shutting down they still have to keep working so good chance that one or more of them might also be infected if if one of their co-workers was infected so like it's it's stressful for him it's stressful for us because we're like is one of our our friends we don't want him to get sick it's just um and i've got friends now saying things like i i, I accept the fact that i'm probably going to get it i'm just now worried about how bad it's going to be for me like mm-hmm. you know people have because you know, some of them, it's not like they're not trying to social distance, but they have to keep working or things like that. Like my wife is probable because she has to keep going to, to work and she works in an essential retail store, you know, because they sell food and, and dog food and like supplies for that people need to survive. So, you know, she's going day after day and it's really scary because it's, you know, it's very likely. And if there's people there, like the guy on the bus who's not covering their mouth and not taking precautions or mm-hmm. not staying home because they don't feel good man, you're making it harder for the rest of us not to get it. You know, like it, it's that, that scene stressed me out so bad, but it, really good scene, mind you. I'm not, it's not a criticism of the film. It's just, it was like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I, there was a few in this that stressed me out. One of the, the overarching plot, which the point, which was obviously what they're going for is the fact that obviously before anybody knows what's happening, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, like I mentioned, had touched a glass, which somebody then picked up with their hand uh, she was shaking people's hands, she's giving people a cuddle, um, like business professionally and also non-professionally. Um, so before anybody even knew, that's and that's X amount of people already uh, affected, but infected and affected. They then go on to do the same to five, six other people, and it grows and grows and grows before we've even before anyone even knows about it. And obviously, that's what's happened here, and that's what's happening here because because people could have this damn thing without showing any symptoms. And pass and be a carrier and pass it on to somebody, and obviously they then go and see somebody. They then see someone, and it's terrifying. Uh, and one of the other things that scared me was how the the public reacted as the film went on. You know, the tensions rose, violence, mob mentality, um, oh, robberies, yeah. killings. I was like, Jesus Christ! I felt scared for Matt Damon's character when he was going out with his daughter, just to go to go to the shop, uh, and when he was looking out of his window at what was happening across the street, it is neighbor's house and the violence there and you think you're almost like in a fish bat in a in like a fish tank a fish bowl where 
you know, you're, you you can't leave your house, but all around you, everything's falling apart, and it's terrifying knowing that you can't. And they, even when they try to escape, they can't. Everything's everything's borders are all blocked off. So that was that was scary enough for me just watching that. But as I mean, the film plays on the fear of the the virus is the fear, the fear of the unknown. You know, like you say, these just subtle uh, close ups of people touching certain things, and you're like, oh, and that made me think. I remember saying to you on the message, like, Jesus. I'm now thinking about what I've been touching all day. I've only been in my house, but what have I been touching? What have I done? What, where could I have got it from? Enough. And then for a while afterwards, it, I was paranoid, man. I was not going to lie. And suddenly I, I took this whole thing a lot more seriously than I was before. I already knew it was bad, this, this COVID-19. I already knew it was bad. We take it an awful lot more seriously, even yeah, though it's agreed. only a film. But just the way everything just seemed to play into what was going on now, like the plot points, the terminology, the lingo, and even down to people like um, Jude Law's character. And I've got to say, his accent was abysmal. We mentioned that, but I don't know if he was English. He became Australian. He was kind of American. It was a bit like Jason Statham in The Meg, where he just went through a cycle of accents and never bothered sticking on one. Um, so I was paranoid, basically, what I'm trying to say. I was watching this film, and it did its job. It was effective. It was frightening. And... What I found very interesting is one year ago today, pretty much a year ago, this film on IMDb, two, two and a half thousandth most popular film. Do you know what I mean? It'd be, and for the next six to seven months, it was hovering around the two and a half thousand to the four thousandth most popular film on IMDb. Now, now, right now, this second, it is the second most popular film on IMDb. It's now jumped up above. There's no new releases, basically, but it's now more popular than future releases and that this is the most second most searched film in the world and that is yeah. amazing yeah and it i do want to point out like i wasn't a big soderbergh fan and soderbergh's filmography is really weird like if you go uh looking he kind of has been all over the place like uh he he did the oceans remake mm-hmm. um his unsane and high flying bird from the last couple of years he went with iphone films like um I, but I've really grown to like him. Uh, Logan Lucky was a few years ago. I really liked that movie. Um, I've actually grown to like that movie more uh, mm-hmm. in time. Um, and, uh, oh, and yeah, like, see, there's movies that I forget. Like, he did Aaron Brockovich and Magic Mike. Um, you know, I haven't seen oh, Traffic, yeah. but a lot of people really like Traffic. Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which I've never seen, but that's, you know, beloved films. Uh, Solaris was a remake with Clooney, which I, I didn't dislike. I don't love. I haven't seen out of sight with him and Jayla, but I mean, his filmography is like all over the place and um, he's, he likes innovation and he definitely likes to work with the Scott guy. Uh, and I, I like him. And so that, that pulled me in for sure. Like when I heard people were talking about this movie, I was like, ah, well, whatever. And then I realized it was him. I'm like, Oh, well, never mind. I do want to give that a go. And mm-hmm. man, it's such a successful film. It's really well told. It's super stressful. Um, and I really connected with Matt Damon's character a lot, especially him being the father and his daughter being alive still mm-hmm. and his, you know, fear of losing her and um, her, you know, him them kind of having a little betting of heads because she wants to be with her boyfriend and he's not okay with that because of the nature of it. Like there's the snow angel scene that was really compelling and, and the, the teenage boys being a bit of a teenage boy, but I, you know, I, I, I get that, and, that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't feel like he was being too pushy. You know what I mean? Like it didn't feel like it was like going a dark direction. It was just him. Like, I want to touch you. You're my girlfriend. Like I want to hold hands. I want to kiss. And that's an, un- that's a reasonable expectation for a boyfriend and girlfriend that are seniors in high school. But 
you know, there's a virus and that's the, the concern. And I think that's an issue right now that we're seeing. And as a parent of a 15 year old girl, who's about to turn 16, mm-hmm. who should be like, literally her birthday is April 7th. So it's like, we're right around the corner. She's going to be turning 16. She should be, you know, getting her drive. We, we had hired a uh, driving instructor cause we just can't, we're, my wife and I are both too high strung to really like comfortably teach her without mm-hmm. like being spazzes about it. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, she was supposed to start those in a couple of weeks so that she can get her license. And now that's probably going to be postponed. We assume, you know, um, and even if they don't postpone it, we, I don't know if I want to put her in a car with a stranger who I don't know what their, what their precautions have yeah. been and how many other people have sat in that car. You know, like there's a lot of those, what if factors the that right now kicks in, yeah. and that stinks for her. Cause it's like the, the world that we've known is no longer going to be. And that's what you see in contagion. Like they start to go back to some sense of normalcy, but it's admitted like this will never be the same. Like the world is, is going to look different and maybe in time it'll start to resemble the world we knew, but for the next year, two years, um, the closest thing in our generation would be nine 11, you know, when nine 11 happened, the world was different here, especially, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was different everywhere, but it was very, very different in the U S for the first year. Um, easily afterwards like there was a change in the atmosphere a change in demeanor a change mm-hmm. in behavior um Attitude, you know there was yeah. a yeah there was a fear that like kind of hung around everybody that it was going to happen again um and i think for sure the way this is shaping up we're going to see that same uh you know lull it's gonna things are going to always be different even if this does at the i think the most optimistic um expectations right now are like the end of april may maybe things start to look normal but most projections are saying august september jesus and that's still an if that it'll start to look normal so you know um i don't i can't imagine us just being back to the way things were and so this movie is super scary and i i definitely recommend it i think it's a really well-made film i think it's very it, it does what it's trying to do if you are already really anxious maybe skip this for now um <laughs> You know, but it's definitely worth your time uh, if you can handle it. Just hearing those estimates is that's the most scary part of all of it. By the end of all this, we're all gonna appreciate being able to walk to, walk to the local park to spread your legs a bit, stretch your legs a bit. Oh, um, go to the shop, go go for a walk, you know, go see family and all that, and you know, yeah. greet people and whatnot, or, or check out your communities and gaming and all that. We're all gonna appreciate that an awful lot more and. Um, just as I'm stepping up onto my high horse, if everybody does what we've been asked to do, i.e. stay in, maybe this thing will go away a little bit quicker. If people go to ignore the advice, you're an idiot, basically. You're a moron. Stay in. Let's help other people for once in our lives. And we can all get through this. And then films like Contagion will go back to being just a just a paranoid-fueled film and not a, like a, oh, dear God, this is actually happening right now. And I echo yeah. what you say. <laughs> If you if you are anxious about what's happening in the world, thankfully we've pretty much we've told you an awful lot of what's happened. I would skip this film. However, from a purely film fan point of view, it's a good film. I enjoyed this a lot. I I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed this. I thought it was going to be a bit of a throwaway film. Actually, I was really engrossed by this and uh, uh, that Marion yeah. Cotillard, who she is fine in the film, but I didn't really care much for the actual uh, sub side plot that was going on there. But check yeah. it out if you like film. If you're worried about what's going on right now, which let's face it, we all should be, ooh, it's a, it, it touches quite close to it. It touches a nerve, basically. Yep. 
Um, and yeah, that's that's this episode uh, for Vampocalypse Now. Um, we'll be back with another one. Yeah, Contagion, uh, 2011, Steven Soderbergh. Again, really good movie, but very, very stress-inducing. <laughs> yeah, very, very scary. For those wondering, number one on the movie meter currently is Westworld, even though it's a TV series. So yeah, that's that for this episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast Bampocalypse now. It's a struggle for me to say Bampocalypse because it doesn't come naturally. Um, so that's episode three of our little mini-series done. JB, before the next one comes out, where can the world find you online? You can find me at Burke Reviews on all social media, including letterbox.com and BurkeReviews.com for all the reviews. Uh, you can find me what I watch tonight at Code.uk across um, and for what I watch tonight, Twitter, Instagram. If they want to find the BAMP, and why wouldn't they on the social media, where can they? That is at BAMP uh, I'm sorry, it's at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod on Instagram. <laughs> and then I always mess up the Twitter one, but it's BAMP something. It's BAMP underscore podcast. B-A-M-P underscore podcast. So check us out on there. And um, yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode and hope you'll join us for the next one when we're also going to be cutting it quite close to home as well. But until then, from me, see ya. And from JB, keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody.